listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Good morning. Welcome to Real Presence Live. Once again, I'm Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I am Emily Leadham. And we are broadcasting to you, I'd say, from sunny Sioux Falls, but not quite Indeed, today, not so sunny not today. Not so sunny today. Uh, that's all right. We need the rain. It's, it's good for the farms. Not too much, but but a little bit's necessary. We're at St. Lambert's Parish on the east, of, east side of Sioux Falls, and happy to be with you this morning. Um, just before we get into our next interview, our first interview of the morning, did you know that you can listen to Real Presence Live in any of our daily programs that you hear on RPR via the app? Just go to your app store on your phone and search for Real Presence Radio. Once you've downloaded it, Real Presence Radio is accessible anywhere you are at any time as long as you have cell phone coverage. What was that commercial about there's an app for that? Uh, Where like you wanted to do, you could do exactly. anything in the right, world and right. there was an app for that. Make me coffee. There's an app for that. Exactly. It might have been like an insurance may thing. It may have been an insurance thing. Uh, so if you don't have the RPR app yet, go to your app store now, download it as you listen, as we listen to our next interview, which is with Bishop Donald DeGroote of the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Good morning, Bishop. Hey, top of the morning to you. Uh, it's great to have you on once again. Um, thanks for being with us. Uh, you, we, Emily and I, we were with you about a month ago. Was that, that was just before Holy Week. Yeah, think, it was just before it? Holy Week. That's yeah. right. And so now yeah. we're, we're in the Easter season, Bishop, um, and there's great news. Part of our listening area has already resumed uh, masses with the congregation, public masses, and here in the Diocese of Sioux Falls and the Diocese of Rapid City, so that is South Dakota, um, here in a couple weeks it's going to be possible for um, mass with the congregation to resume. Can you just fill, get us up to speed with what's going on? Maybe Sioux Falls as a whole, Diocese of Sioux Falls in particular, however you like. You're, you're, the, you're our boss, so we kind of have to do whatever you tell us to do. Well, God's the boss, and then I try to listen well and then do what he tells me to do. <laughs> Amen. So we'll give him the good credit Amen. for uh, anything good that happens. <clears throat> yeah, happy to. So I'll speak about it in regards to the, uh, certainly uh, South Dakota in general, with the uh, great help with the leaders over in Rapid City Diocese. Uh, so grateful for that. We've been working as a team, really trying to discern, uh, taking all the knowledge, the best that we can, the insights that we can gain from the medical profession and certainly the government's role, the mayor, and, uh, you know, the city leaders. Um, obviously, one thing we know is it's so different from region to region, city to city, parish to parish. So the circumstances, uh, for example, in Sioux Falls and some other hot spots where there's been some cases of COVID are very different than in those areas where there's been no cases. So really trying to figure out, is there a way that we can be doing public masses in a very prudent way uh, based on the circumstances? And so uh, in a nutshell, the good news is, um, uh, beginning May 15th or after, pastors have the discretion <clears throat> to uh, determine when they will start Mass, uh, if they're able to, because of health, for example. Uh, and then, <clears throat> but it's, it needs to have very clear social distancing guidelines and a good hygiene, which we've provided, uh, both leadership over in Rapid City and myself. So in a nutshell, that's what it is. And best things folks can do is go to their local parish and find out what the... Uh, but their pastor, the guidance they're getting from their pastor, because we really want it to be uh, the pastors empowered to discern what's best for their local communities in light of the circumstances within their communities. Bishop, just as we get ready for this in South Dakota to resume public masses, just curious for you as 
uh, a bishop, but, but being a bishop as a priest, as, as a pastor, as the shepherd of a diocese, um, what does it mean to you that your flock will be able to resume uh, part- with everything that you just said in mind in terms of social distancing and so on? What does it mean for you that your flock will be able to resume participating at the Mass with you and with your fellow, the, the priests of the diocese? Yeah, I'd say the best analogy I can give that just comes to the top of my mind as you ask the question is, remember when we were little kids and you just can't wait for Christmas? <clears throat> and you're just so excited and anticipating and longing for that. Um, or maybe it's like a, a parent, you know, just so longing to have the kids back home from college or whatever it might be. Just by analogy, I'd say that's a similar sort of experience for me, not only on the uh, natural level, but even more specifically on the supernatural level. Mm. Uh, just knowing how hard this has been for good, faithful folks not to be able to receive the real presence, even though God suffices in other ways, like spiritual communion. Uh, so He still gives us grace in various ways, but <clears throat> there's just been this deep longing, and, and even as folks have reached out to me, sharing their own hearts and how hard it's been, and the desire for Holy Eucharist, it's been both inspiring to me, uh, but also it's intensified the longing. So I'd actually say the longer it goes on, the more the longing intensifies, mm-hmm. even though it was intense right at the beginning, having to make that decision. That's what I would say as a, as a shepherd's heart, that's what I'm experiencing. Mm. Bishop, when you put out your video last week that uh, Masses would be resuming, there really was such a message of hope in it and, it, and it just drew my attention to the fact that so many people have been experiencing great fear, anxiety, worry, difficulty, suffering amidst this time. And, then, and I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about uh, hope amidst that, hope amidst suffering, uh, even when, for, for, perhaps for some people listening, even though Masses will be resuming in a week or two, they still will not be able to attend because they might be in a, in a more uh, susceptible population or something like that. Uh, can you talk just a bit about hope amidst suffering? Absolutely. So I think, you know, building up your, your comment earlier about fear, you know, fear is such a natural thing. We see it in Scripture, of course. We all experience that as human beings. Fear, uh, there's good in fear and there's bad fear, if you will. So good fear is that which, you know, protects us from danger, if you will. Uh, but bad fear is that which is not uh, properly rightly ordered. And so the beautiful gift of hope, actually what it does is it fills us. It's a spiritual uh, power that God gives us. So it's one of the beautiful, beautiful virtues, supernatural virtues, that God wants to give to us. But he wants us to take on his hope. So it's not like you or I can muster up hope and say, okay, I'm going to be strong, I'm going to trust that everything is going to work out well. No, this is actually, in humility, turning to God and say, God, fill me with your gift of hope. And so what we want to do is we really want to focus on the Lord and just keep going back to Him. And, you know, our hope is in the Lord, right, who made heaven and earth. And so when we really have that disposition of turning to the Lord, then we're able to receive His gift of hope. And even though we can't see the outcome, and even though there's tremendous storms around us, if you will, you know, with all this virus and everything else in our world, all the political challenges throughout the world, uh, many, many things, people's financial stability, perhaps, because of the, the virus and the impacts that it's had, whatever those things are, the Lord is our hope. And so the key and the focus is to go right to the Lord and say, Lord, fill me with your gift of hope, which is basically I receive the confidence of God that even though there's going to be suffering, difficulty, and trials, God is with me, He will get me through it, and actually what will happen is He will make us stronger through it all. 
Bishop, I think sometimes when people think about hope, um, they, they we confuse it with optimism. Um, mm. But but it's possible to be <laughs> sort of pessimistic about what's going on. And frankly, even in the midst of real suffering and ultimately even death, we can still have hope. So I, I, can you talk about that distinction a little bit in case people are thinking, well, how can I be hopeful when my, my mom is dying because of this disease or any other disease? What's the distinction or how do you articulate that distinction between optimism, human optimism, and the supernatural theological virtue of hope? Yeah, we might think of human optimism as it's kind of a, uh, a confidence or wishful thinking that I'm going to take a positive approach to this whole thing, right? I'm going to look for the good that's in the midst of even the difficult thing, and we should. We should be doing that. But really, when we're talking about the virtue of hope, it's moving beyond just our human capacities, and it's actually turning to God and receiving that spiritual power that comes through that beautiful virtue, where actually we have the confidence of God even though we can't see the answer. And that's the difference. I think, you know, so often as human beings, we're trying to figure it out in our minds. And we lose human hope, if you will, or human confidence, because we don't see a good result. We don't see how this is going to work out. So if someone's uh, mother or grandmother is dying because of this, well, how can I be filled with hope? Well, I have hope in the resurrection, Mm. right? So we are just in transition here. But will she recover? She may or may not. But if our hope is in God, then God is going to work through that and bring about great things. So it's really uh, not just wishful thinking or being positive about something. It's, okay, I want to see a bigger picture, and that's where we receive the gift of hope. As you're saying that, I just imagine you talking and gesturing with open hands, something received, not something that you're going to to dig for. You know, I just see you standing in that posture often, really witnessing to a receptivity um, of what of what God is doing. If you're if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Real Presence Live. I am Emily Leadum here with Chris Bergwald, and we are on the phone with our wonderful bishop, uh, Bishop Donald DeGrood. Bishop. Can you talk a little bit about uh, some of the technology that has been utilized amidst this time and kind of your sense as a bishop and just how these things um, have been a blessing, maybe some some ways that they've been a challenging to us, uh, have been a challenge for us, but particularly, you know, as we approach uh, next week, Real Presence is doing their live drive. Uh, talk about what you've seen as some of the graces flowing from these different medias. Yeah, you know, I see this as, as kind of a, a new stage in our history in the sense of connectivity, um, even though there's social distancing. So certainly the challenge has been we're social beings. We want to be interacting with, with each other, and some are more introverted, and so the desires can be different, certainly. But the point being is we're social beings. We're intended to be in communion relationship with each other, and so even that physical presence is so very helpful for us in that. But certainly what I've seen with all of this is new creativity, uh, even within our parishes, for example, the work of uh, pastors and staff to try to create ways to connect with people. So whether it's, uh, you know, taping the Mass and putting it uh, on, uh, you know, live-streaming it so their parishioners can, if you will, be present with their pastor at Mass, even though physically they're not present. Uh, but I'd, I'd say there's another, uh, you know, so many beautiful things. It's not just the, the beautiful thing about technology. It's not just limited to space. So what happens, what I see is, you know, as an example, with live streaming masses here uh, at the cathedral, uh, especially our Sunday mass, and then it gets um, uh, not only live streamed but, but broadcast as well. It's been fascinating for me to hear from people around not only the country, 
But uh, just as an example, uh, someone recently reached out from Australia and said, hey, I'm enjoying, you know, your mass and da 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 And I sent it to my relatives in India, right? Wow. So my, my point is the technology thing just enables us to really be missionary disciples. We're reaching far beyond only those who would be able to be physically present with us. So I see some wonderful, wonderful opportunities with that. Uh, and folks that maybe would never have done that. You know, my mom's uh, 89 now, and she's watching live stream masses. Well, how the mm. heck does my 89-year-old <laughs> mom get access to that? Well, my brother helps set it up. And so my point is there's been a whole new creativity and utilization of technology uh, in a very positive and, and, and productive way. And it's been a wonderful way for me to stay connected with my family as well, just as an example for me personally. Can I ask a controversial question? Uh, uh-oh. 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 Okay, here's my question. I think that there are some people that are concerned that now that we've made this live streaming option so available, why go back to Mass? We can watch it. We can watch it from the comfort of our couches. Um, and that's obviously a bit of an extreme uh, way to look at it. But I think that there's some underlying things that it does. It makes it much more accessible for us to, um, you know, engage in, somewhat engage in the mass from at home. Is that a concern for you? And how do we as the faithful properly enter in? Because it's not an obligation for us to watch mass on TV. There's there's other ways in which we can encounter encounter Christ, and there's many devotions. You know, the church's arms are so wide in that way. Um, what's what's kind of your take on that? I told you it was a controversial question, Bishop. You can say pass. <laughs> Don't fire me. No, no, no. Happy to take it. You know, in fact, I'm chuckling a little interiorly to myself because my nephews and my brothers have been giving me a hard time. I had a, a, a picture from one of my nephews in his recliner, and uh, you, could, you could see the mask on that he was watching. There we go. And yeah. uh, he says, hey, we need recliners in church. So, of course, <laughs> Can we right, install some in the, the cathedral? Next to, yeah, next at the Cathedral of Sioux Falls, capital campaign to get recliners. <laughs> oh, jeez, you know, I said, you know, this family of mine, I don't know. But anyway, uh, you know. Uh, here's what I think the best way to look at it is. You know, the technology, uh, once we're able to resume that, uh, clearly we know from Jesus he interacted directly with his uh, disciples. And that human interaction uh, and being present physically is, is the ideal, certainly. I think we look at it as exceptions. Those who are, uh, can't get to Mass because of uh, health issues, for example, mm-hmm. or some extraordinary circumstances, that's really where the technology is. So the best way to think about it is the norm would be we're all together physically praying and worshiping God. And obviously we get to receive the real presence <clears throat> of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. And it, it's not the same, as my mother would say. Uh, spiritual communion is a beautiful thing, but that's an exceptional thing as well, right? right? So it's only in those times where it's not available to us, like these times we're in right now, or folks in the military are not able to receive uh, because Mass isn't available to them, for example, uh, in whatever location. So it's by exception. That's the way we should think about the, yeah. uh, the, the technology. Bishop, what do you say, so speak, again, looking to the, the reality of Mass here in South Dakota, be, being able, opening up, if you will, here in, in a couple weeks. Um, but the obligation, though, isn't returning yet. So for those folks who are maybe conflicted now because they, their friends, maybe their family members are able to go to Mass, but they, because of maybe health conditions or age, just aren't comfortable doing that yet. What, what, 
what sort of consolation or words of consolation would you offer to those folks who, you know, the doors are opening up and yet I, I can't go or it, it's not safe yet for me to go yet? What, what can you say to those folks? Oh, I'm so glad you're bringing that up because that's a very important distinction. So the reason the obligation is still suspended is because we want to leave it to each person to discern for themselves uh, their own readiness to return to Mass. So it could be just fear of catching the virus, and it's a legitimate fear for them because of their health conditions um, or because of, of those who are in the vulnerable categories. So we really want everybody to have a real freedom of conscience. Uh, and we also know that because of the social distancing, uh, we're not able to get as many people in mass as we did before. Yeah. So we need to be very prudent, and we need to make it reasonable for the pastors to be able to do what they reasonably can, working with their parishioners, based in their limited space. Uh, so it's really to give everybody a peace of mind, but to discern with the Lord when and how they ought to be uh, returning to Mass, based on their own circumstances and the availability of the Masses that are available to them, based on, on social distancing matters. Mm. And that's that's where technology is going to remain helpful. I know, so where we're at this morning, St. Lambert Parish, this is my my parish, um, Father Haggerty, the pastor, is going to continue live streaming until the obligation returns precisely for those members of, of our parish who aren't able, for whatever reason, to yet return to Mass at this point. Um, so that, that technology remains helpful. So kind of coming back to then, Bishop, um, Real Presence Radio, the gift of technology, next week starts the RPR spring drive what would you say to those those folks who might be thinking about you know as we know um with the economy and the downturn because of the pandemic Mm -hmm. um there's not a lot of of extra money to go around what might you offer to people who are maybe considering um whether or not they're able to help support this this important apostolate yeah, I think certainly from my heart as a, as a bishop would simply be to say I'm so very, very grateful to uh, wonderful, wonderful groups uh, like Real Presence Radio that actually make it possible and available through live streaming, for example, and all the many teachings that they offer. I used the example earlier of, you know, all the way from Australia to India. We have to remember that we're serving, we're, we're, we're evangelizing in so many ways and means, and it is a challenging time. But when it's a challenging time, I think we need to really keep looking even that much more the things that I can reprioritize so as to be able to support the wonderful, wonderful work uh, that Real Presence Radio uh, provides. So I think just really taking it to prayer, and I've seen in some other fundraisers, it's been beautiful to see in this even virtual fundraisers where people are stepping up, and even in unexpected ways. So hopefully those who have the capacity can step into it in great ways. Those with more limited capacities... Uh, can do what they reasonably can and be at peace with that. So I Mm. think that's where we find the balance. Mm. I can't help but think of the widow giving from her poverty, uh, wherever that is in Scripture. It's in there somewhere. Um, And can you just talk a little bit about... Chris is laughing at me. I'm sorry I don't have my doctorate in theology, Chris. But can you talk a little bit about that, Bishop? Just the role, the virtue of generosity, and because I think we're finding that with with supporting our churches, supporting our ministries, but also supporting our families, supporting you know our communities and restaurants, giving from our poverty, giving from um, that place in which we lack. Just can you talk about the spiritual implications of that and, and Jesus's invitation in that way? Oh, absolutely. I think the first thing we need to always remember is that everything we have is a gift. 
Yeah. Everything that is, is given to us is a gift. And so if we, we look at the very nature of, of, of divine love, God's love, it seeks the good of the other. And so the more we fall in love, spiritually what happens is we lose the focus on ourselves. So we begin to live more out of, okay, what are my basic needs? And beyond that, is this thing a desire? I want this trip or I want this uh, possession or whatever it might be. And really saying and taking that to prayer, and Lord, what is it you desire? How do you desire me to use the gifts that you've given me? So it's really seeing ourselves as a steward of the gifts of God, not as the owners, if you will, like it's all mine and I get to do whatever I want, Mm. but living out of a spirit of, Lord, it's all yours. What is it you want me to do? And so not only is that, in in a sense, um, you know, what what we feel comfortable giving, but does it it even come from the heart where if the Lord's prompting us to give even out of our basic needs, it means we can't take this vacation this year. Well, if that's what the Lord wants then that's where I get to give out of what I feel is a need, but of course, He always blesses us in ways beyond what we can ever give. Mm. So really seeing it as an opportunity to go, just take it to the Lord, pray and discern. So there's absolute freedom with our resources. There's not a possessiveness of clinging to, like, I can't do anything. You may not be able to, because it's confirmed in prayer, then, then there's peace. The Lord's not asking you to. But where it starts to stir in the conscience. No, I actually have the capacity to, I'm just, I'm wanting that vacation or this possession or this thing or the other thing. It's like, well, no, really, maybe the Lord wants me more free in this area and to follow the promptings of the Lord. That's where we find spiritual freedom, and we model that beautiful witness of the widow living, giving even out of her very need. Amen. Bishop, we got about a minute left. Any final thoughts? Um, anything we've talked about today, maybe something we haven't talked about this morning. Any final thoughts you want to share with our listeners across Minnesota, the Dakotas, Wisconsin, and Wyoming? You know, I think one of the co- most common expressions of Jesus, be not afraid. Even Pope John Paul II, when he first came out of the balcony after being announced as the new Pope, be not afraid. Mm. Those are my words. That certainly has been in my prayer. The Lord wants us. He's testing us. He's purifying us. Hopefully he's really helping reprioritize us. In a sense, turning our world upside down, but hopefully it turns our lives right side up. I think if we have that disposition and live out of that, say God's going to bring something great. Oh, Amen. Amen, Bishop. This interview was for me. Thank you so <laughs> Not that it's all about me. Hopefully our listeners enjoyed it too, but this was speaking right to my heart. So thank you so much for joining us, Bishop. And yeah, please continue to keep all of our listeners in your prayers as we anxiously anticipate and begin uh, to return to Mass and to some sort of normalcy. Thanks, Bishop. Be assured of prayers. Be not afraid. Thank you, Bishop. Blessing. Bye now. Bye-bye. Up next, we are going to talk about reconnecting with your family through a digital detox. Some of us have been hitting the digital (laughs) world a little harder these days. So we're going to talk about some detox ideas and how you can develop some deeper connections with your kids through putting aside technology just for a few days. Uh, This and more as Real Presence Live continues right after this. 